Well, welcome to this week's episode of Neighboring, a podcast hosted by NeighborLink for Wayne, where we attempt to find out what it means to be a good neighbor by hosting interviews with some of our favorite people and people that are really interesting and intriguing and uh, that are impacting their community in a unique way. We like to sit down and simply ask the question and really kind of invite the audience into uh, some of the conversations that we're having. And so today, we are here with another guest to interview and another NeighborLink staff person, Megan Chandler. Thank you for having me. Of course. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited that you get to finally be on a podcast yes. and help kind of co-host this. And I think you are going to really connect with our guest, Sam Playman, uh, with the YMCA of Greater Fort Wayne, who's the membership director of the Central Branch. And Sam is a foreign resident, moved away, has recently moved back in the last couple of years, and is one of those individuals uh, in this young working professional realm that really is, I'm seeing from afar, this kind of work-life integration rather than balance, somebody that's investing in the community, taking their job very seriously, uh, really trying to be inclusive with her friend group and even extending beyond that. And while that's not necessarily an unnormal thing, we don't see it a whole lot. We wanted to have a conversation today about that kind of concept of what work-life integration versus work-life balance looks like, and really what the role of kind of personal development, like where does that come from, why is that important? And so we're excited that you come, have come to join us today uh, to have a conversation about that. So welcome, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Sam, tell us, introduce yourself a little bit more than what I've just done and uh, tell us about your role at the Y and what, how you even got there. I don't think I even know how you ended up working for the YMCA because this is not your first time working with a YMCA, right? No, it's not. I have worked for the Y. This is my seventh year and I started at the YMCA in a very part-time role uh, at the Parkview Family YMCA. It was a time in my life that was extraordinarily difficult. Um, pretty much everything I knew that was safe and family to me no longer existed. And I was kind of on my own. And not to go into that, but I would go to the Y to run in the winter on the treadmills and on the track. And that was just time that I had that was peaceful and was safe. And I got to know some of the staff members there, and so I got a part-time job. I was in college and working retail and doing a whole bunch of things to make ends meet, and when I was at the Y, I knew it was meaningful work. So in college, I was studying education and decided to go a totally different route so that I could be a director in the nonprofit world and kept working my way up through the Y. Uh, I've worked in various roles at the Metropolitan Office uh, in administrative work, and then one day I decided I wanted to move to Asheville, North Carolina, so I got a job there at the YMCA as a member engagement manager, packed out my bag. Two weeks later, they offered me the job, and I moved. I didn't know a soul, uh, but it was the best thing I've ever done. Uh, I grew so much personally, professionally. I met my husband. I dragged him back to Fort Wayne, and here we are. Um, and now I have my dream job as a membership director at the Central Branch YMCA. Why is a membership director kind of your dream job? What do you do as a membership director at the YMCA? Obviously, most people know YMCA's as a fitness center. It's far more than that. Uh, would love to hear your take on that, but what, what is so exciting about being a membership director? 
the title membership director, you're right, it's not very exciting, but I do so much more. I wear a lot of different hats. Um, I'm actually probably more like a professional cheerleader. So I get to coach and uplift so many staff members. Um, I oversee about 40 people in my current role, um, managers on duty, member services representatives, people who are the face of the Y and are responsible for that wonderful experience, um, engaging in relationship building. And so that's on me to ensure that they understand the mission of the Y, um, which is to put Christian principles into practice through programs and services that build a healthy spirit, mind, and body for all people. And at the Central Branch YMCA downtown, we are an incredibly diverse community. And that's why it's my dream job. Because the why is great no matter where you are. But at Central, we see so many walks of life, so many people who may or may not be different than you, look different than you, um, whether you're homeless or, you know, um, a lawyer downtown. Everyone comes to the why to be the best version of themselves. And so it's just, it's a wonderful thing. In terms of having that perspective, was it, do you feel like you've always had a perspective of inclusivity, seeing, seeing individuals um, as all different, unique? Um, I imagine people walking in and out of the YMCA, there are, there are some that are super friendly, some are outgoing, easier to get to know. I'm sure there's a lot of people that just kind of walk in and just kind of like go, go straight to the treadmill and just kind of head down you know, kind of go in a realm of not being seen. It takes a special individual, I think, to have an awareness of those coming in and, and not just necessarily having awareness, but an intentionality to try to be aware. Has that always been something that you've kind of valued or were there some lessons in your own life that kind of opened your eyes to that? And has that been a, something you've been developing over time or is that something you've kind of always had? That is a very good question. Before I worked at the Y, I, I've always been, you know, more of an outgoing person. Uh, I love to get to know people, but it wasn't until I worked at the Y that I realized the importance of awareness and of fostering a welcoming environment. It's so much different to work at a place like I do and, you know, they, someone scans their card and, and you don't say anything. Um, or you just say hello, but really opening yourself up to ask open-ended questions and to get to know people, um, that has touched me and changed me more than it may have changed the members that we're engaging with. And so, you know, being the director and overseeing staff and helping them understand what it means to be aware and to put yourself out there to establish relationships, we see that we are not only changing lives, but our lives are being changed. And spreading that impact and awareness is something that I haven't always had, but um, have definitely developed over time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's meaningful, and it's, it's something that, you know, I, I'm at the Y, and there's some days where I just take a step back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is, this is crazy real. There's so many people at this Y that if we weren't here, they wouldn't have you know, family, people to talk to. We become people's family. And that's a large responsibility to have. And we don't have to do anything about it, but we do just by being there and showing up. Yeah, but you mentioned there's like a level of intentionality there. There's an awareness. There's, there's one of developing an awareness that these aren't just members coming in and out. They could be more. Mm -hmm. they, could, they are individuals that have a story and an intentionality. We often... 
Um, the experience at, at NeighborLink that we often talk about is as volunteers get involved and the more that you want to kind of uncover various things. So if I'm going and mowing grass in a particular neighborhood for a homeowner, uh, I begin to ask kind of the questions of like, why is this person not able to mow their grass or why isn't a neighbor? So these are the kind of the questions that come up when we start to become aware of things. And then, you know, it's really our responsibility to kind of push into those and ask those questions. And it sounds like that's a very similar, similar case. But it takes some development and some intentionality and awareness. I think uh, we find a lot of folks will, I think those, co- those questions come natural to us. Any of us, when we hit, in, hit a situation where it's uncomfortable, we don't know, or somebody came in and they're being rude today, well, it takes a step to like, okay, maybe there's something behind that. How do you, how, do you is there a particular story that comes to mind where you may have read a situation on the surface one way, but through intentional kind of questioning, you've discovered something else and that's kind of maybe opened up to a different relationship? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you are in a front-facing position, like working in membership or wellness at the YMCA, as a staff person, you're told you really should leave your problems at the door. You don't want to be you know, disingenuine, but at the same time, we need to meet members where they are and they may be having a bad day and you know, you're talking to them and you're doing your job and you're engaging in customer service. Um, try to be as positive as you possibly can. A couple months ago, there was a man who wouldn't give us the time of day, uh, just swiped his card and, and pretty much took off, never took his headphones out. And that's okay. You don't have to engage if you don't want to. The why is for everyone. And However, one day he asked to speak to the manager, and I was like, all right, I'm manager on duty, absolutely. I brought him into my office, and he just started crying. And he said, I heard that the why helps people. And I said, yes, absolutely. What do you need help with? And he told me how he was going through this divorce and his daughter passed away a year ago in Texas. And he felt that he could unleash that on on us. And he probably would have done it at the front desk, but it's, you know, there's a lot of people around. and, And so taking that moment to listen to him and my originally, you know, perception of him was that he was just a rude guy who didn't, really care about talking and he was going through so much so um that's that can be overwhelming sometimes but it really puts the mission into perspective and gives us a reason why why we're all here and and how important it is to take the time to listen and establish that trust so that people feel like you know they can talk to you it's going to be all right and and we helped him and That's incredible. And I mean, that just goes to show the community that you all are creating for your members and just that comfort level to, you know, just have someone be in raw emotion and, you know, feel that they can lean into you. I mean, the fact that, you know, he felt comfortable enough to come to you and share what was on his heart. I mean, that that is incredible. So great work. Thank you. And it's it's funny because I, I had never talked to this person before other than saying hello and having a smiling face. And same with my staff. So those the little things do go a long way to, to make impact. I, I truly believe that. The power of presence. Absolutely. Um, 
it's hard to be it's hard to imagine being a neighbor without being present um, neighbor being a pretty universal term but the consistency in which you sounds like you guys perform or you know try to be greeting every time even though it it seems like it doesn't, isn't received but that power presence and routine there was something that I built up being a neighbor being a, this podcast is all about us trying to figure out what does it mean to be a good neighbor as us individually and we're really just talking about our own journeys and one of the things we know about becoming a good, a good neighbor is is that it's really individuals trying to live with some sort of intent which is kind of a character development thing and personal development when you think of your own journey with personal development obviously there's experiences that sometimes we're not even aware of that are working on our personal development but then there are things that we're choosing and you shared some of the things that some of the experiences on your own personal journey that are helping transform that what are some of the things how would you describe your own personal transformation journey like what are what are some things that you're doing that that develop your own personal spiritual professional development because it's one thing that experiences being open and being mindful that those those are impacting us but a lot of times we have to also choose things i'm curious what that has meant to you or what that looks like absolutely that is a fantastic question and topic of discussion because lately I have felt very, not overwhelmed, but that my position is is a lot of work and there's no denying that. But it comes and, and ebbs and flows. As far as my personal development goes, I have finally realized that I will never be the best version of myself and the best leader in my job or for my organization or the community unless I'm the best version of myself. And so that comes with running uh, and training for my goals that I have, um, thing, doing things that I like, reading, and also just developing programs at the YMCA that are I am super passionate about to bring people together. Um, you talk about work-life balance and really just establishing there doesn't have to be boundaries. Um, well, of course, there's healthy boundaries, but if, if we just tie it all together, um, we're developing, but we're also developing others. Yeah. So you're a big runner. Yes. Talk about running. Megan's a big runner. It's so great, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I ran in high school at Carroll, track and cross country, and then I ran um, at Loyola University Chicago. Then I transferred to IPFW, and now I run marathons. And I've run an ultra relay overnight in the Smoky Mountains, which was easily the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I've run the Boston Marathon once, and I will again next April. Fantastic. And she won NeighborLink, or our Night Moves this uh, summer. Oh. She's got one of the coveted, you know, hammers. Say it was very humble. She's a very fast runner. Yes, um, yes, and we'll, indeed. we'll claim that for her. Yeah. But as an adult athlete, so we kind of get into this with Team NeighborLink a little bit when... You know, as an adult, like you're not in college anymore, you're not in high school, the competitions are driven purely based on personal goals. Like you're not you're not trying to become an Olympian yet, are you? So no, no you're not a professional runner. Is that is that out of the cards? That is out of the cards. 
But that's okay. Yeah, right. So, but it's still very important. Running plays a, has transitioned likely from a more of where can this go in a, in a career, professional, competitive realm in terms of competitive is still good and you still want to win, but it's more of like in this realm of a personal development goal in terms of setting your own goals and working hard towards that. In what ways has, say, running and committing to running and setting those goals helped you with uh, your personal development in maybe other ways? Running takes a lot of commitment. And you can be passionate about it, which I am. But regardless, if you have a goal that you want to achieve with running, you have to work at it every single day and you have to show up. And that has taught me a lot about myself personally and professionally um, to stay focused, to stay driven, and really just work hard, show up, and the rest will take place. I think that translates a lot into my work at the YMCA. Um, I have to be just as dedicated and just as committed as I am when I train for a marathon. If you don't run the 20-mile long runs, you're not going to complete the race. And so you know, at the Y, whether it's program development, um, hiring, training, whatever it may be, there's a lot to it. And running has taught me to stay focused and stay dedicated and really just discipline. Yeah. Megan, running has been a big part of your life. How do you mm-hmm. feel like running's helped you in your own like personal development life? Well, how's it challenging you? Sure. Well, you know, it, it Growing up running, I I started um, when I was young. I wanted to do road races with my mom because that's what she was doing. And so for me, it kind of started as, you know, a way for our family to, you know, be together and experience time together in a real healthy fashion. And so just, you know, growing up with a very active family, it just ingrained in me, as Sam was saying, just the commitment and the dedication. And so that's kind of how my passion grew for the sport. And, you know, with running and, you know, trying so hard, you always just want to push yourself to see, can I get a little bit faster? Can I, you know, what what is that next level I can get to? And sometimes I succeeded and sometimes I failed. So that kind of taught me some things work and some things don't. And this is kind of how we shift things. And I've been able to then parallel that to other things, whether, you know, it was going through college or going through, you know, various jobs. So, you know, just staying committed and staying dedicated and figuring out the right equation for you at that point in your life. Yeah. Running is, is really hard and it's, it's kind of fun to do hard things and it gives you a sense of, wow, you know, I'm tough and I'm strong and this is a, a sense of accomplishment and it's kind of fun. I think it's important to commit to hard things. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and why not learn how to commit to hard things and things that you enjoy first? Um, if you're scared to commit to hard things in your work life, like taking a position that you don't know that you feel like you're qualified or like jumping from one job to another or signing up for some board level involvement or a committee or even starting something new that you feel led to, why not start with something that you're in the realm of comfort? Like I signed up for a 40 mile ultra marathon. I'm not a runner. Uh, I'm, but I, I sign up for these things. Um, for instance, for the similar goals of like, it's a hard thing. It's a new thing. 
I sign up for it not because I care so much about running a 40 mile ultra marathon like that's part of it but I'm more interested in what is that going to do to me what is it what does it look like to be disciplined and committed to a training plan the best I can what does it look like to balance family life work while also choosing something that gives life to me and ultimately I think what I've learned I force myself to like have my own fitness desires and goals and mm-hmm. staying active through the winter in the Midwest is kind of hard unless you're just yeah. a diehard athlete, which I'm not necessarily, I could easily be swayed not to do it. So signing up for an ultra marathon uh, that forces me outside to run through the winter um, is I'm learning that like we all have this kind of grit scale. There's a great book called Grit that's really relevant to this idea of we all need to practice and it's developed to stay committed to the hard things and showing up in 16 degree weather and icy roads uh, and running 20 miles in in the dark by yourself. That's important. Those are good character traits. And so uh, we talk about it running and use running as 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 an avenue, but it's something that we enjoy. And I think that's a good lesson for anyone, whether it's biking, uh, athletics, or whether it's yeah. a completely different hobby mm-hmm. using our hobbies as a way to to grow professionally and personally is is really important but to wear and be intentional of it uh, is a big is a big difference absolutely and i would also say one of my favorite things about running and you know now cycling and doing other things the community that is wrapped around this i mean i love nothing more than meeting someone who's about to go through their first marathon. You know, I just, it's so much fun to just hear about what got in, what got them into it and how their journey's been. And, you know, any pieces of advice that, you know, if it was my first one again, you know, what would I appreciate hearing from someone? And, you know, it's really that, you know, intentionality, as you mentioned, and the community that, you know, is really wrapped around these sports is, it's just fun to all be together and adults doing it and yeah. living in that community together. Well, that's a good segue into where I want to transition the conversation more on this idea of work-life balance. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of research, a lot of conversations around how do you how do you keep home life sacred, how do you keep work life sacred revolves around in this work-life balance. And while that is true, we have to find balance. I often find that it, at least in my journey, that it falls flat. And I find that true in other people. And a different way to think about it that I've been really processing the last decade is this idea of work-life integration. And we're fortunate enough to sit around this table because of the types of positions that we hold to fully embrace kind of this work-life integration. And by that, I mean, like, how does work, life, purpose, vocation, all that intercede? Because it, it does no matter what. Uh, our jobs push in, especially with the role of technology and the rise and the demands of our bosses, whether you're leading an organization or you're just somewhere in the middle, our, our work is being set home with us with laptops and mobile phones. And so it's pushing into personal life and personal life is always pushed into work life. And those can crash where they can begin to be more integrated and sure jobs different jobs can embrace that differently. Like this morning, like we, we have a sick kid at home and so that shifts work life and we've got to run a car to an auto repair. And so it's 8.30 before I can get into the office uh, and we've had other sick kids. 
in previous weeks because it's the middle of winter and so I'm working from home um, or I'm working late. And so that aspect of how work-life balance is a little bit easier to see. But the work-life integration aspect that's really interesting that I see in both of you and especially starting to see in Sam is that when work and life start intertwining in extracurricular and life decisions, that's where things really start getting interesting to me. When people uh, start choosing where they live differently, they're saying proximity matters, that to where I buy a house matters as much as the type of house or what school it's next to. Uh, when people start integrating their work or their mission or their passions into their hobbies, like when you start wearing a running shirt that has some sort of cause on it, that's where things start integrating. And Sam, I've seen in the last years, we've gotten to know each other, like your social circle, the way that you integrate some of your work philosophies and your inclusive kind of lifestyle in terms of the way you're welcoming and the YMCA into you and your, your, your pals are going to the park to play soccer and have dinner and the way you, you use your network to invite people in. Um, to that's really interesting. So I wanted to transition the conversation towards this and hear from your perspective whether that was intentional or how you wrestle with that or like what are you seeing in culture that says that that's a better way to live than not? That specific example you gave of the soccer parties. So we met in Moody Park, there were tacos, there was soccer, and these games got pretty intense. <laughs> that was not intentional of blasting it on social media to invite everyone, but it's so natural for myself and some of my coworkers and friends now to just bring everyone in. And I think that's because with our mission of being for all people, specifically at the YMCA, we believe in that so profoundly that we, we live and breathe it now and it's, it's subconscious. Like, of course everyone's welcome, why wouldn't they be? And you mentioned uh, work-life balance in, in this time and we're busy, 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 and how do you shut that off? And it may be able to do that for some jobs, nine to five, but for mine, it's really not. And I have previously struggled with that, but I realize now that I have to embrace it. Um, one of my very good friends and colleagues in Asheville, I called him, his name's Cody. I said, I feel like I have no life. And he said, no, Sam, you do have a great life. And, and the why is your life? And so you just, you need to embrace that. And ever since we had that conversation, it, my perception has completely shifted because I, I do believe in, in the mission and the work that I'm doing. And it, it's okay to spread that out into the community, into other facets of my life. And there doesn't have to be a, a strict work and a strict life, but as long as it's remaining healthy and bringing people together, I'm completely okay with that. And it's healthy. And there's always boundaries with that. This yeah. isn't an, uh, a, a call to say that you have to have no boundaries because everyone has balance. Every personality is different. Every relationship family is impacted by this. But the idea of like, even the Moody Park thing for me was, yeah, you're not broadcasting that through the YMCA channel. You're just like you're sharing and saying, hey, any of my friends want to come? Like we're inclusive. And that's an, yeah. that's an important difference. Uh, we see a lot of folks kind of on the fringe and lonely or 
individuals that we meet in passing or in social gatherings that you make an acquaintance with someone, but it's really hard to, to move towards friendship without spending time together. And especially as we're adults and get older, it's harder to make friendships and build relationships. And it's hard to also at the times follow up and make, make people feel, feel valuable. Um, whether friendship or you do that every time, but uh, periodically, it's, it's really interesting. So uh, thanks for sharing that particular story. Yeah, absolutely. I know myself and other people, we made a lot of uh, new friends over the summer, and so I'm, I'm really excited to bring that back. How does that shape your perspective on community? Community, to me... And that specific situation, you know, I think everyone has a different perception of what community means. Is it the street you live on? Is it the school you go to? Um, But I feel like it can be geographic, the proximity of where you are, but also you create your community. And in that situation, we brought people together and we opened the opportunity to to join us and, and to spread, you know, having fun, being active, getting to know others, not staying at home on Instagram, on your couch, which is fun and we all do it, but really, you know, there's so much more. And so I think community can be created as long as it's intentional. Um, And sometimes it's not, and that's okay. But bringing people together is what creates community. I know you're also involved in a variety of other kind of social groups or um, community kind of initiatives, this uh, Creative Mornings for Wayne and then uh, you're involved in the running club and some of those things. And so you're showing up and bringing that same size, sort of energy to that. Uh, what is the role of individuals and uh, or how have you seen kind of your impact in that or seen how it changes like when you start showing up for these things that, you know, often we can sit around the table and say we want to do something or I wish somebody would do something. Um, but the difference between when it shows up and how that that actually impacts not only what we want to have happen because it helps create it, but also how that transforms you. Absolutely. I, you know, with Creative Mornings, for example, um, that is a free lecture breakfast series uh, the second Friday of every month. And I almost didn't go because I'm not creative. And that's what I thought in my head. But with personal development, I wanted to challenge myself to get involved in you know, professional and fun opportunities this year that would help me grow as a person. And eventually I could take new skills back to the YMCA. And I'm so glad that I put myself out there just to show up. I went to the first lecture and I loved it. And then I eventually found myself on the volunteer team. So I think the first thing is we just to show up and to be yourself. And it's okay to put yourself in uncomfortable situations because you never know what will happen. And your impact can be so much greater than, than you think. Give, give us all an encouragement. If you were sitting with a group of friends or could empower our kind of generation or really anyone that's listening to this that has been sitting on the fence or sitting around the table saying, man, I really want to do that or that would be really cool or somebody should do something about that. What's kind of the encouragement that you would give to to them? My encouragement, just it's okay to be brave and it's also okay to be scared. And you will find 
that you are growing so much as an individual if you just put yourself out there and the scary is okay and that's where some great things happen so my advice is to find out what you believe in what your values are what your goals are and just go for it have a plan and people want to help I think with work and life we get very stressed and we feel like we have to do everything but you have good people that surround you and it's okay to ask for that help and form a team um yeah because you can do great things you just have to believe in yourself great thank you for that and leaders out there that are part of these groups don't be afraid to ask people directly to participate uh, so much is driven by social influence and people want to help to your point like there's a great book out there called reinforcements is about just in the power of asking for help mm -hmm. and it breaks down so many myths about what what you think people will say yes to and what they won't and so the power of just asking is so important uh, as we try to wrap up here Sam would love to know your take on what does it mean to be a good neighbor I think being a good neighbor is slowing down. It is being available and getting to know people, meeting people where they are. Um, we so often have these perceptions and biases, but really putting those aside and challenging yourself to, to get to know others, specifically others who are unlike you. Um, when you do that, you are a good neighbor because uh, you can find out what needs are what needs are in your community and start to meet those needs And I think that by doing that you're not only going to help people But you're really going to develop and change yourself for the better. Man, that's so good so I think you're good. the first one that says slowing down as being a good neighbor is is uh, is a vital way Yeah, I had a situation actually this week where I did not slow down. I was running and my neighbor across the street, she's a wonderful 75 year old woman was like, Hey, Hey, come here and flag me down. And you know, I gotta be honest. I didn't want to stop, but I did. And I'm so glad I had the best conversation ever with her. My husband and I are going to help them landscape this summer. It's going to be awesome. That's so great. Well, we're going to have to follow up on this story. Sam. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on the Neighboring Podcast. Thanks for sharing a bit of your story and introducing yourself to the greater world and the, the neighboring realm. I, uh, like I've said, I've really appreciated it from afar. So I'm encouraged, feel affirmed that whatever choices you feel like you're making or not making, they're, they're heading in the right direction and uh, you're, doing, you're doing good work. So thank you. Thanks for uh, tuning in on this episode of Neighboring. We'll be back again next week as we continue to learn what does it mean to be a good neighbor and try to learn what, what healthy neighborhoods, what makes healthy neighborhoods healthy and healthy communities healthy. Thanks. Thank you.